Welcome to another episode here at the Midnight Founders Podcast. We're so excited to be with you today. This is AJ Rounds from Rev Road and Jake McCarg from CB Vault. Here at the Midnight Founders Podcast, we focus on telling behind the scenes stories for what makes a successful entrepreneur. We're excited for another week. Here we go. All right, we're excited to be here for another week of the Midnight Founders Podcast. Today, we're lucky to have Vicki Jacobson from Stonehenge Fence and Deck. Welcome. Thank you. Good to have you here in studio. Thank you for having me on. This is cool. So Vicki and I have known each other for a while, and I'm excited to have her here. She has a really cool story. Um, she kind of fell into entrepreneurship. Well, she it was two steps. She married into entrepreneurship, and then she kind of took another step into entrepreneurship later. So we'll let her start um, off by giving us her 30-second elevator pitch on what Stonehenge does. Okay. Well, Stonehenge Fence and Deck, we started in year 2000, and um, it's a home-based business. We rented a small shop in Mapleton behind uh, Sorensen's Auto Body. We love Mapleton. <laughs> we love Mapleton. <laughs> and um, we had a, a partner at the time, but we bought him out early on. Uh, it has since grown into a multi-million dollar company. Congrats. Uh, we're now based in Orem. And, uh, That's awesome. Doing well. Doing really well. So. We have, uh, sadly, my hubby passed away in 2020, um, but I still manage, I'm basically kind of doing the same thing as always, I've always done. I run, I do taxes, I do the insurance, I kind of oversee things and um, that sort of stuff. I've got fantastic people that work with me, my main managers and partners now, uh, TJ Dyer, Steve Lundy, and Justin Henderson, couldn't do it without them. And... Uh, we started lots of other little businesses along the way, um, probably most notably Alpine Antlers, which we'll talk about a little bit because that was kind of my home base. That's what I did full-time for about, I don't know, for a lot of years, and along with helping me with the fencing company. And um, uh, we had a development company. We had, um, we have Maple Street Storage, which is behind your dad's cabinet shop. And we had A-Side Storage, which we sold last year. And a car wash across the street from our business in Orem, which we have now, ex we're going to expand Stonehenge over there, but can't get rid of the car wash because it's awesome. So <laughs> it, it I hate that when they make so much money, you're yeah. like, we can't get rid of this thing. But it, it's been great and it's been helpful. Uh, but our, our bread and butter company is Stonehenge Fence and Deck. And it's, it's progressed from small family business where my husband pretty much did everything to, um, you know, a multi-million dollar company with over 70 employees. 70. Do you guys, wow. do you guys focus mainly on like, um, residential projects or do you do commercial projects? Is it a blend? It's a blend. We do both. We started out mostly just doing residential, uh, and it's great, but you really don't work through the winter doing residential. A lot of people just don't understand that we work through the winter and we can work through the winter. Um, back in the early days, it worked out nice because we had other stuff we were doing, like alpine antlers. We we did the antler stuff during the winter, but now we, you know, we have the machines to do it, and even though the ground's frozen, we can still work. Oh, very um, cool. But working through the winter, um, we have about twenty five percent of our business is commercial, and we have a lot of contracts with. We have Edge Homes, we have Arrive Homes, Westland Construction. In fact, we do all the schools for Naval School District through wow. Westland. Okay. Um, and uh, we did the Haiti Temple through Westland. Like, it was pretty cool. Very so cool. Done some wow. cool stuff. Wow. So, Vicki, you, would you say you're the CEO yes, of the company? Yes, technically, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Maybe not by title or whatever, but that's your, that's your responsibility. Yes. 
and duties as CEO. Very cool. Well, well done. Well, <laughs> it was mostly my hubby, but you know, and I, like Jake said, I kind of, I married into entrepreneurship. I have to qualify myself because I'm not an entrepreneur in any way, shape or form. He definitely was and is, you know, he was just, he had all these ideas, you know, he, he's the kind of guy that grew up selling stuff on this corner. He would make stuff. He'd make little things because he's very handy, very crafty, and his, you know, grew up doing construction with his dad and building homes. So he could make anything, and then he would sell it to the neighborhood kids and the neighborhood people around up in Orem where he lived. And, and that's the kind of person he was. Just had a thousand ideas. Every day was, he had a book. It says the idea of the day, and he tried to implement that. And, uh, well, you had to have been somewhat of an entrepreneur because you still married him. You were like, I, okay, I I'm saw in. The, I saw that he was awesome. So. <laughs> did you did you have any background in entrepreneurship no. in your family? <laughs> no, no. In fact, my dad was a school teacher oh. forty years in the same classroom. That's how low risk we are. Like, <laughs> so he he just and you know I'm kind of cut from that same cloth. But he was a great guy. You know, I, I have a I think I have a friendly personality, and I think I'm a friendly person, and I get that from him. Um, but. My husband's the one that would just walk up to you and just, hey, I'm Nate Jacobson, and I am, and I do this and this and this. What do you do? What can we help each other with? Let's do a deal. Yes, he's very good at that. (laughs) That's awesome. And I'm just like, okay, you just tell me when that deal's ready, and I'll go do the paperwork. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Well, I I think that's really cool because it speaks a lot about you as a person to not come from that background, but yet you've embraced it and enhanced it and now are living it, you know, very fully. it was a learning curve. Like it was yeah. hard to, oh, well, we got to take this loan out. We got to go get a loan. And that's, that's where we started with Central Bank. We, got a, we went down and got our first business checking account and then tried to apply for a line of credit because it's hard to make money without money, right? And this was before startups. It's before, um, you know, Shark Tank and all the, all the cool stuff people do now. You just either had to have, and we lived off credit cards. We lived off credit cards for the first five or six years. It was tough. And um, and I don't recommend that to anybody. Don't do that because <laughs> it's not easy and it's very high stress. And you Credit card interest is 22.95%. <laughs> you have to make your payments, but sometimes that's the only way you can buy material. So we, for our fencing company, we bought material on our credit cards and then Tried to pay it off. Pay it off. Check. Yep. Did this happen early on in your marriage? Oh yeah. So we we got married in 1997, and he was doing like remodels and odd jobs and stuff construction wise. He didn't want to work for his dad anymore. He wanted to do his own thing. He was a general contractor. What was his dad doing? Uh, building homes. And, and just he would building build a homes. home, okay. go move in it. Build a home, go move in it. Mm-hmm. And that's how he grew up. Um, but he wanted to kind of do his own thing, and uh, we he built our across the street neighbors. Fence. That was a job that he picked up. Who? Um, it's uh, Alan's house, and that was his very first fence he did. And hand screwed all the slats and like cedar, nice, beautiful cedar, monster cedar fence. And he's like, I could like this is a great niche. Nobody's doing this. And he loved it then. Loved it, and it was he had all the construction background and had you know all the hand tools and stuff that he needed for that. And he could dig holes just fine. And he. <laughs> That's where kind of that's where the idea started, and we had a partner. He was our friend that lived in Mapleton too, and he had done uh, log furniture and different things. So between the two of them, they were doing it together for about two years. And Aaron kind of went his own way, which was fine. Yeah. But um, 
we had credit cards. We had uh, very little credit at the time, a little bit of credit, but not enough to get a business loan. And finally, Central Bank allowed us to get a $60,000 line of credit. And this is about 2001, 2002-ish. And uh, we had to lean pretty much everything we had. Anything that wasn't already loaned upon, like a car, <laughs> all of our motorcycles, all of our, <laughs> all of our trailers, all of our fun stuff, we just handed over the titles, and they stamped it. And personal guarantees. Personal guarantees, yep. <laughs> Man, that's fun. So like when Nate started talking about this and it was like, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to take out a loan. We're going to open some credit cards and we're just going to go after this full time. Like what was that initial reaction that you had? That's hard for me because that's just not my thing. You know, like I said, my dad was in a school for 40 years. Very <laughs> adverse just, to debt probably, right? Very, oh, yeah. Oh, what are you doing? And I had to just trust Nate. I, I learned to really trust him because he always was paying the bills. Like, he could pay the bills. He, it, I like, we need two grand by the end of the month or we're, we're not going to be able to make our mortgage payment. He's like, no problem. He'd go out and do it. You know, he would go sell a fence, put it in. A week later, we get our money. And we were able to pay our bills. So I just learned to trust him and learned to trust his, his thought process. So has that has that gotten easier for you over time? Because I know that oh, yes. you're, the business is still going. So now when you sign a loan document, are you still like a nervous wreck or are you okay no. with it? No, I've learned, you know, it's, we've been doing this for 23, 24 years now. And, and I have learned that, you know, that's part of the deal. And yes, we're going to pay, we'll pay our bills. We know how to do it. We have good people. We have a system in place and we'll pay our bills. So it'll, it, it's okay. Yeah, I've learned to just kind of, Good for right you. Right, the tide, I guess. What what fences? What types of fences do you mostly install? Like vinyl. vinyl? Okay. Yes, vinyls are number one. Um, it's it's the the most affordable for most people, I think. So that's kind of the go to. Um, it wasn't in the beginning; like that wasn't even a thing really when we first started. Monster Cedar was where everybody was, and then we kind of like saw people starting to do vinyl here and there, and so Nate added that as well. Right now, that's where it is. Uh, we do a lot of composite. That came way later because nobody was doing composite fencing when we first started. Um, iron is was really expensive, and very few people were doing that. But And then once we started picking up some more commercial projects, we did it more iron and that sort of thing. Wow. That's cool. The evolution. What? Um, how would he... You said he would just go out and talk to people. Was it mostly word of mouth that, mm -hmm. that your business grew from or advertising? or, or? He did a little bit of advertising, mostly word of mouth, because he talked to people all the time. He would, he would go to a job uh, that he'd already sold, but by the time he was done talking to that person, he would, he would to the neighbor, hey, I'm doing so-and-so's uh, fence you know, next week. Do you want to get in on Oh, yeah, well, you know, get that. He would sometimes come and bring four or five checks home uh, for deposits and and do the whole neighborhood all at once. It was a lot easier to install, <laughs> you know, four or five houses rather than just one and then come back and do somebody else's and then come back and do theirs. And he did that all the time. So he was a salesman extraordinary. Oh, yes. So good at it. Okay. So then when did the growth and the scaling of the company from just him and a, and a core few, when did that start to grow into 70 employees, you said? Yes. We started to add some uh, subs to install. Uh, he was doing everything up to that point. He'd sell, he'd route the posts, and we and he would um, uh, then put all the you know dig the holes and put all the fence in, and had our two little boys helping him in those early years too. 
but we started adding a few subs here and there. People, he'd just meet people and, and ask them if they wanted to come sub for us. And one of, one of my main partner managers, uh, Steve Lundy, is our fence manager now. And uh, he was one of those first subs that we got and just like one of the best uh, people that we had putting fence in for us and, and eventually Dex and uh, managed to uh, tie him up. Stole him away. Stole him away. <laughs> he had his own company. And then same with our other manager, uh, our, my general manager. He's also one of my partners. And he came and started running our yard about the same time. So we're talking like 2006, seven, eight in there. And then about uh, five years later or so, uh, our other our sales manager, who is my third partner, he he's an old friend of ours who Nate worked with back in our days when he was just taking jobs. He spent a year learning how to build log homes because you know he wanted to build one for himself at some point. And Justin, that's where he met Justin, and they built log home log homes together. And Justin went and did construction, did his own thing. But kind of got stuck in that 2008 to 10 rut and the recession anyway, time. The recession and lost and like his company went away. So we pulled him on, mm. and those three are just fantastic. And I and you still have them today. I do. Oh yeah. So you're a strong believer in partners, then. I do. Well, not necessarily partner. I mean, it works for us. The the four of us work really well. I would call you know we're. We're all on the same page, and we don't have any problem letting each other know, okay, we need to change this or this or this. But we're, we come to an agreement, and it's we kind of counsel together a lot and make sure that we're all on the same page. And we work really well together. It, it works good. And Nate did the same thing with the three of them as well. And up until he started kind of his mind kind of started going and his body started going, it was a well-oiled machine. Very good. Four of them, so. so Nate was in a ski accident, right? He was. Yeah. And then his health declined really rapidly, and yeah. uh, he had some health complications there for a while. Yeah, he did. Um, well, it wasn't rapid in the beginning. Um, so his accident was about 2009. He, he landed on him. his back uh, and, and in his neck, and it broke his neck and back. And over the next couple of years, we tried to get in to get him checked and seen, and it, it's, it's difficult. Let me just put it that way. Anyway, he finally did get in to see a doctor about it. Was he it. just thinking, oh, I'm fine, I'll just kind of At first, yeah. work tough, through it? It was tough he's guy syndrome. T- he's tough. <laughs> he's I don't t- need a doctor. I'm okay. <laughs> I was not happy <laughs> about that. Why didn't you go to the ER? Oh, it's one of those things. But I don't know if they would have caught things from the beginning on the Sounds like he was in shape and very muscular. Well, he's very active. Like he, He's extreme sports kind of person and – you know, grew up skating, uh, you know, um, skateboarding and, st- and things like that. Skiing, he's a fantastic skier. I mean, this was just like a fluke thing. He was super careful. He and his brothers, and they do flips and different things. And he would be, he was always really careful to make sure that their jumps that they were doing, that they had a way to, to, to ski out of it, and it was really powdery and things like that. He just happened to hit some bad ice that day, and and it caught his lip, and he couldn't get over on the backflip he was doing. It landed right on the back of his head. And um, he'd had other concussions in the past, and this one was a bad one. Uh, but it chronic pain does strange things to your body. I don't, I don't know if you've had any experience with people that have had some severe long-term chronic pain, but it really messes with your head. And it um, for for him, and we didn't realize what was going on in the beginning. Why 
his body kind of started shutting down on him. But about 2013, this is after both of his neck and back surgery, uh, which really didn't take well. About 2013, his stomach started giving him problems where he was doubling over in pain. Felt like he says, I've got ulcers. I've got something going on. I can't. And it was cramping all the time. And we did everything under the sun to try and figure out what it was. And nobody could tell us. Like They couldn't diagnose it. No. Nothing, everything came up negative. Like They couldn't figure out what was going on. And people kept telling him, well, this is all in your head. And he's like, there is no way this is in my head. And ultimately, it's like I don't even up, go see the doctor when I break my neck and back for crying out loud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, ultimately, it kind of, in a way, it was because, like, his, with all the back pain and stuff he had, everything else started shutting down too. His organs started shutting down. He he had all these stomach cramp, cramping to the fact where he could not eat anything. He lost seventy pounds in the matter of about a month. Wow. Um, during that time, between like thir- 2013, 2014. And not a recommended were, weight loss program. No, <laughs> no, I would not recommend this. He, he couldn't eat anything. Things that he was eating, he would either he would throw it up or, you know, get, and body would expel it in other ways. And just uh, there were weekends where he we thought he was dying. And we spent a lot of time in the hospital. They couldn't figure out what was wrong. Uh, we did end up taking him to an allergist. His um, and. They checked him for all these different things and different foods, and they tested him for 178 things. And all of a sudden, things that he could eat just, you know, a few years before, he's deathly allergic to. And, like, off the charts, you know, they have, like, these um, where they measure the, you know, how you're reacting to it or whatever, and it was just, like, crazy. Off the chart readings of these allergens to different foods and stuff, stuff like chicken. Mm. Who's allergic to chicken? Well, he was all of a sudden. So, so 2009 to 2014, you have that steady progression. Yeah, and he passed in 2020. I'm sorry for that, by the way. Sorry for your loss. Too. We're yeah. Yeah, it's it was a sad deal. Uh, That whole time, you guys are running this company together. How did you manage that? It was not easy. Um, Well, we had no. We had good people. Like like I said, TJ, Justin, Steve were fantastic. They, so it's they an ode to your partners running. as well. Yeah, and we had um, our office manager, jo- Joanne, at the time to kind of helped with all of that as well. And um, it was not easy. And, and the pain also was kind of doing things to his head where he was not acting the same during all this. He would do strange things. He would call the guys in the middle of the night or call them up and just say crazy things to them and kind of being cruel to them on the phone. And, and, and then I, so would you have to do some damage control? I'd have to do a lot of damage control. Vicky was on the actively side. engaged mm-hmm. in damage control. I was control. actively engaged in damage control. <laughs> and, um, and so were they on their end too, uh, with the company. And he would, we would show up for sales meetings and different things and tell one person one thing and then tell somebody else com- something completely different and then they would be at odds with each other because they said this or they said that. And <laughs> it, it was difficult. But the guys were awesome. Like, they, they suffered through a lot of stuff, too, and kind of kept things reined in. Did they know their, at some point they're like, okay, this is just they do, they, part they, of the symptoms him. and this is just, yeah, not yeah, really they him. knew. Okay. And they were holding out, but they were getting to the point where they were like, we can't do this anymore. And I'm like, I know, I know, I know. And so when we could speak because sometimes Nate had kind of a rain on me as well. I couldn't really talk to them outright because I was going against what he was saying. Right. And so 
we had to kind of do it on the sly a little bit and um, not in a bad way, but we were just trying to save the company and keep things together. Um, and I was worried about his his reputation. He had a stellar reputation in the business community as this great businessman and somebody that everybody liked and was really easy work and really a good person to work with. And he was starting to kind of lose that a little bit. And people would, they would go to golf tournaments and different things together. And all of a sudden they're like, what is Nate doing? Like, what's he saying? And we're starting to hear some buzz that they were wondering, that, you know, um, Maybe, like, if he's on drugs or if he's on all this other... Like, they didn't know what was going on. And so we were trying to kind of keep that... Keep a lid on him as much as possible and to preserve his reputation. I was really worried about that. Um, but by that last year, it was really tough. And I, and I kept telling Nate, hey... You know, on good days, when he would actually listen to some reason, like, hey, you can't do that. We've got to sell. You're, you're, you're really just being mean to the guys and you've got to just not do that. He's like, I know, I know. Okay. So well, let's, let's start selling. So we, we did some due diligence and had our attorney, uh, kind of put a, uh, put a feeler out of maybe who might want to buy it. Well, and a Justin too, at office. I'm like, Hey, just put your feelers out and just see who would, who would buy. And to sell the whole company. In company. Interested yeah. in buying okay. a a company that we thought was, you know, worth, Nate thought it was worth a lot more than it probably was, but, you know, somebody that would be willing to take over a multi-million dollar company. And we did an evaluation, uh, which um, turned back less than what he was hoping for, <laughs> but at least we're like, we got to sell. We can't keep doing this, and you can't keep doing this. And he, he agreed. So. And did it sell? No. I was going to say, it, so, it didn't sell because you're still here. So during this time, this is kind of when everything kind of took a turn for the worst. Uh, early, um, he, he was progressively getting worse and worse and worse those last couple months. Uh, early uh, January 2020, is um, he took his own life. And, <laughs> I knew I'd do this. Middle of the month. Uh, it was right after his birthday. And... Um, um, after, you know, after contacting family and, um, going through all that process, first three phone calls I made were DJ Justin and Steve. And, um, of course they, you know, there's just a difficult time for everybody. They're, they're best friends and it was hard on them too. Not just our family. Uh, and Did they rally people, and really help yeah. out with a lot? But, you know, after the funeral and after all the logistics of things, we, we just sat down and we said, okay, we got to make a game plan. <laughs> no need to sell now. I mean, the, the problem, we'll, we'll fix the problem. So there were some things that Nate was doing the last couple of years. He was taking a lot of money out, just going and taking money out of the accounts and, and throwing it to a lot of little smaller investments. Some sounded like they might work out. Some of them didn't. Or like, <laughs> but he wasn't listening well to reason. And um, that was the first thing I nipped. I'm like, we're not doing that anymore. Stopped a lot of that. I got back as much earnest money as I could. I got back as much as I could or just got rid of things that weren't going to make money or weren't going to be in, uh, fruitful at, at some point. 
And you kind of focused in your efforts on exactly what the business was good at. I did. And, and the guys too, it, it, on, you know, on the front lines at the office, they were doing the same thing. And Which is good because then you can get rid of all the distractions and just focus absolutely. on the core business. Yeah. And it took us about, well, COVID hit and that didn't help anything. So we kind of had, and oh, and that was the other thing. I, I, Nay had been dangling ownership over their heads for about two years at that po- point. And I, that was the first thing I told them, like, oh, by the way, I need you guys, and I'm just going to flat out give you ownership. <laughs> we'll oh, so they had details. been employees up to that point, yes. but no ownership at all. No. Oh, wow. No. But he'd been telling them that that was the plan. We were going to make them part owners and, and uh, you know, give them, some, um, give them some interest in the company. And so that was, and I, and I just said, yeah, we're going to do this. And you guys need to go get your contractor's license because Nate was the qualifier on our contractor's license for Stonehenge. So, and the state gives you 60 days from the date of his death. And so immediately both um, TJ and Steve both went and started doing the classes and doing all their paperwork and getting stuff done. And, and we got it. <laughs> uh, but mostly just... Uh, nipping the finances because and and Stonehenge was successful on the, on just on paper and on you know from looking out to the inside it was successful and it was fine through all that but we saw what was going on behind the scenes and you know just making sure and just making sure we made payroll that that every two weeks we had to you know just keep everything really tight there for about a year COVID really didn't help but we you know, we rode the tide just like everybody else. But we were able to keep working, which was a huge blessing. So, so how important have those partnerships been in growing it since? So it took a year to get over kind of that hump and through COVID and all that. Since 2021, has it just been kind of a steady increase since yes. then? Those were those have been our best three years uh, since 2020. We Even better than before. Yeah. Well done. So the person, I had a lot of help. <laughs> the person that fell into entrepreneurship <laughs> twice—that's amazing—has yeah. done the best three years. That's incredible. So those partnerships—that that has to play into that. Right? It, it uh, I would credit all of it to my partners. They um, they run the show, and that's the thing. I know. I I mean, I'm pretty good with a screwdriver. I can swing a hammer, <laughs> but I don't know how to put in a fence. I mean, I can tell you how to do it, but I could not do it myself. And they just know their stuff. And I just don't step on their toes. I let them do their jobs. I, there's things that I can do that they don't do. I work with all the loans. I can get the loans, that kind of stuff. But I let them do what they do best. And I think it works really well. Uh, they have a great rapport with the three of them working together all the time. And then when I need to step in, I can. So that's incredible because, like, you know, we talk to tons of people. It's uncommon for a partnership like that to last this long and yeah. to be this good. So, and have that loyalty that they're very loyal for they sure. They are fantastic people. Yeah. Couldn't have done it without them. That's awesome. So, how have you been able to? I mean, COVID was one hit, you know, and, and, and that was the sad point where, you know, you lost your husband and that sort of thing. But there's been other you know, um, ups and downs in the market with construction booms and then recessions. And how have you been able to weather all those storms all throughout? Because even right now, I mean, it was a boom just a year and a half ago with construction, but now it's dropping, right? It's dropping. Uh, we've already got plans in place. We, you know, there's different things that we do with advertising. Some of the things that, that worked for us back when we first started were 
like um, door to door. You know, my husband would talk to people, but I would make like door hanger flyers from my computer, and my kids that that was their job. They would staple um, rubber bands to the door hangers, and then we'd run them down the street and say, okay, we'll give you a dollar an hour and you'd run down the street and stick them <laughs> on everybody's door and new developments. And that's how we generated a lot of our business. And, and we kind of still do that sometimes. We have, uh, we have, you know, we do the normal Google clicks and stuff that everybody else does, but we'll still, we'll still do door hangers. We'll still talk to people on the street. Um, one of the things that we, that Nate was really good at was um, we'd be driving down the road and a truck would pull up next to us and it had Joe Schmo's landscaping. He'd call the number. Hey, Joe Schmo, call, you know, let's let's uh, piggyback off each other. I'll put your fence in. I'll call you if I need landscaping in such and such place. Did that all the time. So we have our salesman doing the same thing. That's awesome. Yeah. That's cool. Definitely a family business. So yeah. you had your kids involved <laughs> and you were involved oh, yeah. and everyone's involved. That's great. Well, one thing I know uh, is... You know, just from talking to Vicki and uh, kind of some of the background is that she's incredible at delegating. Oh, I'm uh, good at delegating. <laughs> she has been very good at kind of hiring the right people in all of these different, even the antler business, your son's kind of running that mm-hmm. one. Uh, but you've been good at like supporting them, obviously, um, because they've still been around for years and years and years. Um, and and getting the right people in those seats and then making sure they have what they need to do their jobs. Um, so... Can you talk about that? Like, like, why are you good at that? And how have you been successful at keeping people happy and, and good at their jobs for a long period of time? Well, I think it comes down to treating people like you would want yourself to be treated. I mean, it sounds simple, but it really is that. You don't, especially with Stonehenge Fence, we, um, I, don't, I don't do the hiring and firing. I'll, you know, I'll let the guys do that because they have to work with people day in and day out. And we let them find the people that they want. But the, the retention is where we really need to focus on. And some of the things that we do, um, um, we do what we call Fresh Fruit Friday. It was actually Nate's idea um, back in, like, 2014, where we wanted people to feel like we're, you know, appreciating the things that they do, but we want to feed them better <laughs> and make sure they're eating better. So every Friday we do fresh fruit. And we'll do like a snack or something too. And we've done that for, it's almost, it was about nine years now. And it's a lot of fun. Uh, we do, you know, we just make people feel like they are needed. I think that's the key. And, the, and we do, we can't do what we do without our installers or without our shop guys, um, without our office staff and our salespeople. It, everyone is important and we hope that they know that. And that's just key. What a cool thing. I love I love family businesses that are able to grow and support their family and many other families and um and and uh just, you know, provide that fantastic value to the community and the, and and the, you know, the region around them. What um and maybe you haven't thought about this too much, but what is what is this, the succession plan at some point? I mean, it's you know, now four people involved in the business. How how are you guys going to carry the business on to the next generation or how, what does that look like? Do you know? Well, originally it was always, you know, we're hoping our boys would take over at some point. Uh, my older son is, he's kind of doing his own thing. He does his landscape. He's got a doing some landscaping and then he does his dog chew business. Um, and he, he's got, you know, he's doing his own thing. 
my middle son is going into the Air Force, but he wor- he actually works for us right now. He does all of our fence maps, so he ra- draws them up kind of like on a CAD program at the at the office and does a great job there while he's going to school. Um, but I and I don't know. We really haven't talked that far down the Not road. Not yet. We may. There's always been talk that. You know, maybe it come to a point that we're all just going to retire and sell out. We don't know, but we haven't gotten to that point yet. Right now, we're investing in some, a few other ventures together and, uh, and individually so that you know, we're planning for retirement. But we just want to make sure our people are good now. Oh, that was the other couple things that, um, that we implemented right after Nate passed away. We had kind of toyed with the idea of adding some life insurance and things for our employees, but nothing had gone into play. The, the next two years, that was, first thing we did was add, um, add a 401k and got that going, added life insurance and some health insurance and some other benefit packages for all of our employees. That helped and them I think a that lot. helps to retain people retain, and yeah. make them feel like you're... It's just part of that whole culture thing with the organization. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. That's great. Well, that's really cool. Well, um, What's the future for Stonehenge? I mean, um, you know, what's what's the biggest thing on the horizon that you're looking forward to? Well, we are I, I, right now. We're just in a good place. Like we we have um, great products. We're we're not we're not going to be your cheapest fence or deck out there. But that's because one of the things that Nate really stressed was our quality is number one, and we don't offer cheap products. We don't offer the, you know, kind of like the, the stuff that is going to fall apart. Our mantra has always been, it's going to last the test of time, which is where the Stonehenge came from. You know, Stonehenge has been there forever. So we're, our fences are going to be there forever. And that's the, we install them correctly. We do good, do good work and we, uh, we have good products that will last a long, long time. And so uh, we don't get a lot of residual customers because of that, because, you know, the people that we put fences in for 20 years, their fence is still great. You know, every now and then we'll have to maybe uh, adjust a gate or two, but it's really, we have a lot of longevity there. And we want to just keep going. We've added some other products over the years to kind of, you know, move into more of the composite arena. You know, we have Simtech, we offer Simtech. And we offer Trex fencing and uh, some other various composite products and timber tech with our decking side and different iron railings and different things that we do. And we'll continue to increase and add various products when the need arises. But right now we're kind of in a good place. Well done. That's cool. Yeah. Well, it's been fun to hear more of the story and and yeah, uh, thanks, Vicky. I've been really I've been really impressed with what you've done with the business and, you know, I knew Nate for a little bit, but I've known you, you know, ever since we moved into the area. So, uh, it's cool to hear more of the story and I'm excited to have you on the show today. Good luck with everything in the well, future. Thank you. Awesome. Sorry, I didn't mention Dave, Dave diary. <laughs> so he, he was instrumental too. So I've had some good people help. Shout out to Dave too. Shout out we to Dave. We don't want to get, forget Dave. <laughs> don't Dave, uh, Dave at Central Bank. Dave at Central Bank. Now, I've had some good people helping me and he's one of them. So. Yeah. Awesome. It's great. You can't do business without people. No. That's right. We'll take care, Vicki. Good luck with everything. Thanks, you guys. See ya. The Midnight Founders Podcast is a podcast about entrepreneurship that is hosted by CB Vault and Rev Road. CB Vault is the entrepreneur arm of Central Bank. And Rev Road is a venture services firm where companies come to grow. 
Thanks for listening to us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is AJ and Jake signing out.